Hey, it's Amber, and I want to make sure you are aware of all the resources we have at Time of Grace to help you grow your faith. From our TV program with Pastor Mike Novotny to devotions, Grace Talk videos, our blog, and countless books, we want to encourage you to stay close to God. Just go to timeofgrace.org to sign up for our daily email. And now, here's today's episode. Today's episode is called Tear Down Our Walls. So we are going to be talking about the walls of Jericho today and how they relate to our life. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. So if you haven't read the book of Joshua for a while, you may remember that Joshua and the Israelites had just witnessed Moses dying, and now they were coming into the promised land. And the first town that they came to was the town of Jericho. And as it turns out, archaeologists have excavated, and so they have a pretty good idea what this town, what this city looked like, and how the walls were formed around it. So if you need to read this article um, that I read, it's found in Answers in Genesis. Bryant Wood wrote it, and he explains that archaeologists showed actually found a series of walls. So the first wall was actually two walls. It was a retaining wall, and there was one wall that was about 12 to 15 feet high with a 20 to 26 foot high mud brick wall on top of the first wall. So at minimum, a 32-foot wall, that, that's the first wall you would come to. But then from this, there was an embankment, and people lived within this embankment, this embankment between the two walls. And then it brought them to another wall, which was approximately 10 to 12 feet high. And this wall would bring you into the city. So the gates of this wall Um, would lead you into the city. So there were two walls and an embankment in between that you'd have to get through in order to get into the city of Jericho. Now, archaeologists found that when they excavated, it seems to show that a part of the wall was, was kept in place. And isn't it interesting that Rahab lived in part of the wall? Her house was on the wall. She had a little scarlet cord that she hung from her window that saved her because the the spies had been saved and had protection at her house. And so they in turn said, we will save your family if you stay in your home when when we come to conquer this city, we'll make sure to save you. So part of the wall is actually still standing. The rest of it fell in such a way that this is so miraculous that it the the rocks tumbled down and almost formed a ramp that would lead the people from the bottom of the retaining wall right into the city. How awesome. And so the people, the Israelites were able to go right into the city and conquer it. Now, isn't it interesting that the very first city that the Israelites took was not captured by their might and their prowess as warriors and planners and generals. They had to march around the city for six days, one, once at one time around the city 
for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched seven times around the city and then they blew some trumpets and they yelled and the walls fell down, which seems completely and totally foolish to the rest of us. But this is the thing. It wasn't the people who did it. They knew when the walls fell down, it was God that did it. They didn't, they weren't out there with picks and axes and, you know, chinking away at the walls. God had the walls fall down in such a way that they were able to go right into the city. When we are ready to admit it, I think a lot of us surround ourselves with some pretty thick walls too. Maybe your wall is insecurity. There's something about you that you hate about your looks. Maybe you're too scrawny. Maybe your eyes aren't right. Maybe your weight is all wrong. Something that people have noticed about you or stands out or that you've always hated about yourself. Or maybe it's a trait that you have that you're super shy or you're not confident or somehow you've bought into society's measure of worthiness. If you make a lot of money, then surely you're more important. And if you don't, well, maybe you're not quite as valuable. We need to start celebrating normalcy. What a blessing it is to have enough money to pay for a house or to have a place to live, to be able to put food on the table, to have a car or even just to be able to take the bus. But being okay with just being normal, being able to enjoy your life because you're not working all day, every day, not every night. You're not in every social activity. You were just living. You have time to spend with your family. You're honest and decent. You're taking um, care of your spiritual health. I think that's a wonderful thing to shoot for and to aim for right there. We don't have to be a size zero or have our hair a certain way or be the most um, energetic person in the room. We just need to be okay with how God created us, with taking good care of ourselves, with doing the things that he established and equipped us to do, and then call it good. Like, that's, that's great. Maybe your wall is not insecurity, but it's fear and anxiety. And I don't know, I could be totally off on this, but I know an awful lot of moms. And I think moms tend to have a lot of this anxiety. We have anxiety about the world that our children are growing up in. We have anxiety about, as our children get older, the people that they are dating, where they're going, how they're spending their time, if they're making the right choices, um, so many things. And listen, it comes down to control. Because at some point, I remember my mom telling me a long time ago, and it, it seems it, it, it felt very foreign at the time, but she said, Amber, by the time your kids are 16, you're mostly done parenting them. She said, oh, there will be lots of times and opportunities that you can speak into them and you can show them the right way and guide them. But she said, they are getting in a car and driving away and you are not controlling their every word that comes out of their mouth, their every action, or even where they're driving. 
you've kind of given up that control at that point. They're on their own. So you teach them about the Lord. You teach them the right way. And then it's a totally different relationship after that. Then you're doing more of the guiding and counseling and mentoring. And as they make a bad decision, you pick them up, you help them dust off, you put them in the right direction, and here we go again. And a lot of it's praying. So that whole idea of worrying and carrying around this wall of anxiety, it can really mess with you and mess with your relationships. I realized a long time ago when my first was driving, she wanted to go up to a big city quite often. We have a city that's about 60, 70 miles away, and she always wanted to go into the big city. And, you know, as a young driver, that just drove me crazy. And we'd usually end up arguing about it because I would come up with all the reasons why I didn't want her to go. And finally, I realized the problem was my anxiety. Not if she was able to do it. Or not even if she was going with good friends who would, you know, have her doing good things. I was anxious about it and it was wrecking our relationship. And then I realized I can't control my kids their whole life. I teach them. I tell them what to watch for. I pray for them to be safe, but I have to let them go. So that wall of anxiety that we put around ourselves and that we pull other people in into can really cause a lot of damage if we keep building that wall and pulling others into it. Some of us have a totally different wall, and that wall is confidence and security. When our finances are in check, when we're living our life the way that we think we ought to, when we've got the good job, we've got the spouse, we've got the kids, we've got the Instagram where they pictures, we've got our health, when all these things are just where they're supposed to be, we can put these false walls up around us thinking that we are secure and we are set. But if you live long enough, you realize that these are false walls because one accident, one diagnosis, one stock market falling, a tree on your house, a tornado, many, many things can lead to an avalanche of all these things being swept away from you in just a short amount of time. What about addictions? And these can take so many different directions. You can have an addiction to exercising so that you have the perfectly sculpted body. You can have an addiction to porn or chemicals or alcohol or food. All of them amount to finding our comfort in something else, finding our security and our worth in something else and putting that wall around us that other people can't get in, that they can't get through. Or what about entertainment? This I think is a really big one for our society. How much time is spent every day on a phone or in front of a TV or a laptop or some other device that we are just being entertained and we are kept up on the latest info and we are just, you know, constant information coming in. And that is the wall around us thinking that we are smart, that we're informed and that, you know, we really know what's going on. But in truth, it's keeping us from experiencing life, like true life. My favorite days, hands down, are the days that I barely have time to get on my phone. I just love those days because that means that I'm usually hanging out with friends or with my family and we're doing something or I'm working and I'm with people, or, you know, I'm just occupied and I'm so busy that I don't take the time to even pick up my phone. 
Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, life to the full. Life to the full is going to mean not letting our walls keep us from all the things that we could be experiencing. Oh, of course, it also means eternity. I mean, life to the full, that's when our life is going to be completely full, right? When we're in heaven finally and there's not going to be any more problems, there will be no more tears, no more hunger, we won't have to solve anything, our life will be very full then. But down here, Jesus said we could have life to the full. Our needs, our depravity, our separation from God, all those things that we build up, Jesus came to fix that. So we didn't have to have all those walls around us. We don't have to live behind our insecurity. We don't have to stay in our own little comfort bubble that keeps us from trying new things or from going out of our comfort zone and talking to people who would be extremely good friends. How many people don't experience that? I had the experience a a year ago, a little over a year ago now, where a woman emailed me out of the blue and she made herself extremely vulnerable. And she said, you know, I would really love to work with you on a project. And this is This is what I had in mind. Would you consider it? And a beautiful friendship has come because of that. But she was willing to take the risk. She was willing to offer suggestions. You know, you might have a ton of amazing ideas and you don't have the confidence to put them out there because you're behind this wall of insecurity that can keep you from so much. How much does your fear and anxiety keep you from? Are you fretting constantly? This thing's going wrong. That thing's going wrong. There's always something going wrong. That's not life to the full. And when you depend on something else, whether it's coffee, cigarettes, that alcoholic drink, whatever it is to find your pleasure in, at the end of the day, you don't have any pleasure until you are dependent on that, until you get that thing. Well, that's your wall that you're hiding behind. And if the perfect life is your wall, and that's the basis for your fulfillment, that's sort of like the house that is built on sand. Jesus said, be careful. If you build that wall, that house on sand, the storm can come and it's all gone. You got to build your house on the rock, the rock that's Jesus. So if you want a wall, if you want to put up a wall, let God be the wall. Psalm 11, in Psalm 11, we read, in the Lord, I take refuge. He's the wall, right? Psalm 18 says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. If God is the wall that you put around you, it will never crumble. Our walls only lead us to despair, right? They're going to keep us from that life to the full. But if God, if God is the wall that's around us, well, let's, let's put it this way. Can you have confidence in God? Yes. Why? Because those Israelites could not make the wall fall down, but God can. And all the issues that you face from day to day, I don't know what they are, but any issue that you face, there's a good chance that you are not capable of fixing it. But God can. If God is the wall around you, 
He can do it. How about the fear and anxiety? Well, Jesus said not to worry because he's got things under control. We are supposed to put our faith and our trust in him. That wall of security that we think is so great, listen, like I said, that can be gone in an instant. But when God is the wall around us, he's not going anywhere. Even if our house is gone, he's not going anywhere. Even if our health is gone, he's not going anywhere. If all the money is drained, he's still there. If God is your wall, you don't need to find your comfort in the exercise, in the alcohol, in the cigarettes, in the food. You don't need to entertain yourself away because you will be able to face what's in front of you with God. The Bible shows us that God doesn't force us to trust in him. Many times in the Old Testament, the people strayed. The book of Judges is so hard to read. It's so hard to read, but it's so important to read because that really is how our life works. (laughs) The people strayed time and time and time again. And eventually, their neighbors would come over and conquer them and take over and they'd become enslaved to them. And then, you know, 20 years later, they would cry out to the Lord and God would send a judge to rescue them. He lets us do our thing. God sent prophets. A lot of times the people didn't listen to the prophets. Sometimes they even called them or killed them, I mean. But God doesn't force obedience. He doesn't force us to have him be the wall around us. Look at the rich young man. Jesus asked him to follow him. He walked away. He didn't want to give up his riches. The prodigal, the father, it seems, could have left everything and gone and found him while he was squandering all his wealth. He could have drug drug him back home. But that's not the way that went. God's way isn't to force us to make him our wall of security. He doesn't force us to trust him. God's way is really to say, hey, I'm here. This is who I am. This is what I can offer you. And I love you with this crazy everlasting love. And I would love to be your wall of security. I'd love to be your refuge. I'd love to be your fortress. I'm waiting for you, but I'm not going to force you. So how long do you want to keep those walls up? Are you happy with your walls? Or are you ready to say, God, take them down? I don't need these things anymore. I really just want to live that life to the full that you were talking about. You don't have to be able to get past your walls. God's totally capable. Just think of those walls of Jericho. The people didn't do it. God did. So if you're looking at an addiction, you're going, I... I don't think I can do this on my own. It's a good chance you can't. That doesn't mean God can't help you to get through it. In fact, he's willing and he's waiting to help you. How many times in the Bible when people cried out, wasn't God right there? I'm thinking of Manasseh. He was one of the most evil kings that there there was. He led the people into such idolatry. And when he was captured, And in prison, he called out to God, and God answered him. How about the Apostle Paul, who was killing Christians, killing the early Christians? 
And when God blinded him and he was sitting in that room by himself, he called out to God and God sent Ananias to him. God established him as somebody who is going to use. You don't have to be able to break down the walls. You just have to turn to God. And if the Holy Spirit is prompting you today, if he's tapping you on the shoulder or he's slapping you alongside the head, I don't know which, if you've been thinking for a long time, this worry, this anxiety, this insecurity, it's just killing me. I'm driving everybody nuts. I call people 20 times a day because I can't deal with what's going on in front of me. God can help you. God can be your refuge and your fortress. He's the one who's the shield around you and who can walk you through whatever it is you face. So the walls around us, we got, those have to go. They keep us from the things that God would have us do. They also keep us from getting close to other people. How many times haven't your relationships suffered because you couldn't be genuine? You couldn't let people in. The pain of the past, that insecurity, the pain of the past, you've let people in before and look what they've done, keeps you from having true and genuine and lasting relationships now. Not everybody is the same as that person in your past. Sometimes you have to let them in. You have to tear down the wall. You have to let God tear down the wall. And sometimes you need a whole bunch of humility. When you're dealing with the addiction and you don't know how to get through it, you may just need to to go to someone and, and confess and say, you know what? I've got a problem. I'm really dealing with something here and I I need somebody to help me walk through this. It is amazing how many people would help us if we would let them in. And I'm right there with you. I put up a big old wall last year. We were going through some stuff and I decided early on, nope, there were going to be very, very few people who would walk with us through this situation because I couldn't trust a lot of people. And, you know, I, I kept people out, but I had also been hurt a lot in the past with people who rejected me for different reasons. And I just thought, I'm not going through that again. Look carefully at your life. What are your walls? What walls need to come down so that you can have that life to the full that God is so willing to give you? What have you not handed over to God? What areas of your life are you clinging with all your might and you are not giving that control over to God? It's time to let God be your wall and to let him take your walls down so you can build the house on the rock, the rock that's going to stand strong because God's not going anywhere. Doesn't matter how bad the wind blows. Doesn't matter how bad things get. God's a wall that will never, ever fall. Think about it, examine it, work on it. And with the Holy Spirit's help, you can do this. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. If you know someone who would benefit from this episode, send it to them. And then meet for coffee, and four hours later, you'll both have a new attitude on life. Or maybe that's just me. 
Either way, thanks for being here and have a great week.